We have some big changes on the tech front and in the front office. We'll talk about all of these moves and more on this week's episode of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Alrighty, we are back again. Episode number 160 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick, he's Will, and we have off-season news, which might be the least exciting off-season news you could find outside of, you know, stadium renamings, which technically we do have news on the stadium naming front. Yep, that is, that is true. So uh, we're getting there, right? We're getting there. Once once the show comes out, it'll be April. There's, ba- yeah. there's uh, baseball this month. Which is uh, which is exhilarating. I think that's a good adjective to use. It it truly is uh, exhilarating. So I can't wait. But you know, we can't just simply go three weeks without content. See, the, a normal indie ball podcast just talks about independent league baseball uh, when the season's going on. But we are not a normal indie ball podcast. No, no. See, and those normal ones probably are much smarter to do that because it's. It really is kind of fun to go through 36 team websites plus four like actual sites themselves for the leagues and then do the Google search for other news too and still only wind up with about three or so, uh, three or so stories. But thankfully on this Thursday night, there is news to talk about, which is definitely a positive. Plus, you know, like Will said, by the time this is out, it'll be April 2nd. And uh, we'll be only about three weeks away from baseball, which is great. We'll be only be two shows away from doing the first of these league previews. And I may be mere hours away from a deep melancholy that will come over me uh, during this Duke Carolina game. So we we are looking forward to, to all of this and more. And I suppose we should probably live up to the billing of being an indie ball uh, podcast here by getting started with talking about some independent league action. And that starts in the Pioneer League this week. We have news on a partnership and a new app, which kind of goes hand-in-hand with this partnership. It's similar to other things we reported in the past with the American Association, I know certainly, and I believe a few other leagues as well. And it is Presto Sports taking over the as the technological partner of the Pioneer League. It's a multi-year agreement. They're going to handle all sorts of the internet consumer-facing front of things. So this would be things such as streaming, mobile apps, um, the website itself, uh, social media, stat management, e-commerce, that sort of a thing. So a lot of the fan-facing things that, you know, would be the initial entry point for the for people wanting to get into the Pioneer League or for the common lay fan to try and uh, find information about the site. And you can definitely see the a kind of a robust update to things, a very good refresh compared to how the websites were for each of these teams, which were still very much in the MILB uh, template. Now we have a newer, fresher layout that honestly is very, very nice. We'll talk about the app in a minute, but so far, it seems like that is the frontward-facing element that we can at least see so far in this partnership between the Pioneer League and Presto Sports. Right. I think that when you're looking at these apps specifically for for these leagues, I think it's important uh, to have to have these apps like this and they run well because you want your fans to be able to easily access uh, information, whether that's scores, whether that's uh, 
whether that's just like the what's going on in the game or standings in this world you don't want you don't want to like go on the safari and type in pioneer league baseball standings i mean uh, it's happened before like i i almost wish the atlantic league had an app like this like mm-hmm. instead of going to their clunky website uh to find this stuff with all these like weird tabs that don't really work on a mobile device uh but i think that it's all about trying to keep all of the the information that fans might need to follow along especially in a growing league like the pioneer league keep it in one space and uh and make sure it runs well uh, for a mo runs well on mobile because of course that's where the majority of people are looking for stuff they're not looking on uh they're not opening up their laptops and their pcs where it might run better so i overall i mean i think the app looks the app looks good i think the pioneer league is i I like how they're they're forward thinking in a lot of this uh so i mean it, it, it certainly looks good to me Absolutely. Then you make a very good point about the Atlantic League website. It as a mobile site is uh, a challenge to use, especially if you're trying to check things that are under that uh, kind of general stats tab, because it's very difficult to stay from stats to current games to transactions. It's it's a very difficult process to use, and it's just not very user intuitive, uh, at least on a mobile device when you have a Chromebook or a laptop or a desktop or something like that. It runs a bit better yes but not exactly great and that is a major entry point there and i do think overall it looks much much better uh, just aesthetically uh when you go on to this pioneer league website where it's a very modern look it's a very clean layout it's very fluid each of the team websites that you can see were done in a similar template to each other they operate fairly smooth they're they're pretty good. Uh, obviously, I haven't done too much uh, poking and prying, prying into the website yet. And who knows, once we start getting the season going, we have more data uploaded onto the website. Maybe it'll run better, maybe it won't. Uh, but it is a nice change of pace because obviously internet resources and social media resources are kind of that initial entry point for most modern fans. Uh, as far as the app is concerned, in particular here, the new Pioneer League app, uh, it's pretty much uh, a multi-tool app. You can manage your tickets from there. You have your game updates, your promos, information like that. Uh, direct post to social media. So I suppose if you wanted to live tweet a game, you could do so from the app. Uh, news tracking, roster tracking, player and game tracking, which I kind of meant to mean you can track individual players. You can track individual game updates. So that's a very, very cool thing as well. It, Like I said, it seems to be a very multi-tool app. And as you mentioned, Will, it, it has to run well because that is the primary point for most people, especially at the ballpark too. And what I like is when you're able to manage the tickets from here, we often see it's either kind of cumbersome to use mobile ticketing for a lot of minor league events, particularly independently baseball. I've had issues with that in the past. Uh, and now in this kind of post-pandemic world where it seems like there's been a very hard shift away from physical tickets, having an app where right. you can just manage everything, especially when you have a per- like a premier sponsor, a league sponsor, really, in Ticket Smarter. Uh, it makes a lot of sense to incorporate that into the app and have it run smoothly. So I think that's very good, especially if you were a visiting fan. You know, if you, let's say you're in northern Colorado and you want to go and see Missoula play or you want to see Boise play, you don't have to download several different apps. You don't have to go digging through your emails to try and find your tickets if you buy them in advance, which I assume if you're doing any sort of road trip in the Pioneer League, you're not 
uh, waiting till you get there to buy them, just because I can't imagine anything worse than driving 200 miles to find out that you can't get tickets. Uh, so it, it definitely is a very streamlined process and it's nice and easy to use. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned the 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 move away from paper tickets because I really think we're seeing that in a lot of minor league sports and a lot of minor league uh, sporting venues, not just baseball, not just independent league baseball. Uh, it's funny because uh, because I, I still go to plenty of Somerset Patriot games. I'm a big minor league baseball fan, big major league baseball fan as well. And this year, funny enough, I think this would be kind of relevant. Uh, yep. Last year, during the, because of the pandemic, they wouldn't give out physical tickets. You would have to go online. A lot of people complained about that. So essentially what they're doing this year is if you don't want to like go online to get each individual one, yeah. they mail what essentially amounts to an ID card. Really? Uh, like, like, yeah, like I got mine in the mail, like I believe a few days ago, earlier this week, like got, it's essentially an ID card that they scan and they know like how many times like they're like they scan. Cause it's like a specific, uh, a specific database that goes into yeah. it or whatever, but it's literally, it's like, it has a lanyard and, and all that stuff. And so uh, it's literally, you just pick up your ID. If you're like a season ticket holder, you go to the game and I've never seen it anywhere before. So it, it's particularly interesting to me, uh, but it, it really does speak to that. The move away from from the tickets i mean even even like the mets uh yeah. they they just they just announced you can get in like with your face just oh, like, wow. like facial recognition okay, like, i don't cool. even know how all that works i can't but, see uh, i can't tell if that's cool or creepy that i can do that it's one or the other though hmm yeah I, I I, you more, can make a case for either i lean more towards the creepy side <laughs> i mean yeah i'm and, and and not that Nick really cares about going to Mets games anymore because he's on a strike because of the DH, despite Met because of the sin against God. Yes. Scherzer. Uh, so not not that he specifically would, would would care about it that much, but for the fans out there who still might like real baseball, uh, to circle back to the card thing, I've heard of this before because I vaguely remember back in like 2012, 2013 ish. It was, I want to say, the Coyotes or the Dallas Stars that started doing this thing where they didn't want to print off paper tickets and they called it an environmental measure. But we all kind of were like, hey, it isn't an environmental thing. It's to save you from having to print off a bunch of stuff and mail it to people. That's what that's about. So I right. definitely see the purpose of that. It, it definitely will help the bottom line because you're not, you know, printing everything off. You don't have to have the equipment. You don't have to, you know, everything about it makes it easier. I do wonder, though, if they're doing that, are they still doing the paper tickets for walk-up sales? Or are they going to say... I'm, I would bet. Okay, because I know in the past I've seen there are signs there where it's like, okay, well, if you're going to buy your... Either you buy them in advance or for the walk-up sales, they make you buy them from your phone. And then... Or you could go up to the box office and they go, okay, well, what's your email address? They type it in and they email you the PDF of your tickets. So I do, yeah, I wonder if it's a cost thing too. Like I, it I could don't know. be, it very well could be. Honestly, that's the one thing where I feel like the pandemic could help teams out in this regard. Like we've talked with uh, with Josh Shaw before, and he's you know it was a lot of innovation push from the pandemic as part of it. But one of the other areas is as kind of like a low key cost cutting area where you're able to now kind of cut some other features of this ballpark. You know, you're able to to save on maybe some of the in-game 
attractions that you have around the ballpark. You're able to cut down on staffing a little bit. You're able to cut a lot of like these paper things, minor things that you wouldn't really notice now because you're just kind of accustomed to not having them. But if you were to cut them before the pandemic, there would have been uproar over it. Because that's just like, right. a, just as a personal note, I, I like collecting tickets. Collecting ticket stubs is just kind Same. of a cool thing I like to do. So that way you have like a, a kind of a, a memento from each game there. And especially like if it's your first time going to a ballpark or seeing a particular team, it's kind of cool to have that ticket. Or if someone in particular is, you know, pitching or playing in that game. So it is kind of sad to see that kind of go the way of the dodo. I will, I will agree with that because that, that is something I like to do as well. But then kind of once the pandemic hit, there really wasn't, uh, there really wasn't like, I think like from all my like Somerset Patriot, like Atlantic league tickets, like I have most of them, like yeah. I have them all like uh, together in one place. So uh, I, I would say I, w- I would agree with that. And I certainly do understand that um, unless like maybe like it could be held at will call for some people who really want the paper tickets. I, I don't know, but uh, it does seem like, it does seem like uh, baseball and minor league baseball specifically as well is moving in that direction. Uh, but yeah, no, it is interesting to see because I'm, I really am curious to see how that's going to affect ticket sales in general, because I know there's definitely going to be people that are going to be grumpy about this, that aren't aware of these kinds of changes that go to like one game every three years. And then they're going to find out about this and they're not going to be happy about it. Either they're going to leave or they're going to go, I'm not doing this again. <clears throat> so I'm going to be very curious about that, but it is definitely a push towards that digital uh, space here. And obviously, like we were just discussing with the Pioneer League, it pays to be on top of this, which I think kind of circles back to the point of there are some uh, leagues here that really need to up their uh, technical game because it is the way of the future here. And there's some leagues that just aren't really aren't really ready for it. I don't feel like they're ready for it. Right. Totally agree with that. Yeah. So on that note, we will switch to our second item of the day, which is in Gastonia, a team that we used to talk a lot about, then it kind of fell off. And now here we are back talking about them again. And they have a new hiring. Uh, I don't believe they had this position previously set up. At least I saw no mention of uh, a previous uh title holder in the press release uh they have a director of operations now this position is essentially going to handle day-to-day operations as you could probably guess from the title there and the the man that's tabbed for the job is jr murdoch uh he was in the insurance industry as an executive for a while then he switched over to the sports world and um he's been in the front office with the canton terriers billingham chinooks uh galveston whitecaps and the Saskatoon Sappers. So I know at least two of these are Canadian cities. And these are in the Canadian Central League. I will presume it's the Canadian Central Baseball League. However, I really couldn't find any mention of these teams. So it's really hard for me to get any sort of gauge on him in that regard. At least in the past when we see these hires, we go, oh, well, they were in MILB for a while. Or, oh, they were, you know, with a college team or in independent leagues doing various different things. And in the past, we mentioned uh, the Y'all's GM. And I believe it was Gateway's new GM. We were like, oh, well, they worked their way up. And all, and we had that kind of a discussion here. As far as Murdoch goes, I don't see anything really on him. Yeah, I mean... It's director of operations, which of course is more on the, the business side of things. Um, it's hard because don't really know a whole lot of, of where he's worked, uh, where he's worked in the past. I will say, 
to, to be quite honestly, I think the most interesting part of this news is the part of the press release that says, quote, after playing ball at the elementary, middle, and high school levers, J.R. Murdoch was forced to abandon his baseball dreams due to injury. Uh, what kind of prodigy was he in the elementary and middle school levels that uh, that that uh, that forced the mention in this press release about that? I just I just find that to be funny. I do too, and I don't mean to like because this is gonna sound like I'm ragging on Gastonia. I don't mean to rag on Gastonia, and I know there are people <laughs> in the Gastonia front office that listen to the show, so I'm trying to word this very carefully and make it not sound as bad as it could. But it kind of speaks to the higher if you have to throw that line in, doesn't it? Like, we don't really have much else to go off of here. So he played ball uh, from grade school through high school. And he would have played in college, too, uh, if not for injury, which I feel like that could be said about a lot of high school players. Where it's like, well, if he just didn't injure his throwing arm, he would have been able to play at the Div 3 level uh, coming off the bench every third day, or he would have been able to play at uh, the local community college or something like that. It's like, I'm not going to disrespect players from that level, but it does seem like uh, the bar they have set is not the highest to clear. Exactly. So I just find it, it was, it was interesting that they thought that was worth a mention. It um, does. It I mean, does. I mean, listen, I, I, I would have to say that, uh, here, I'm going to write my own press release as far as my base, as far as my baseball playing career. All right. <clears throat> after playing, after playing ball at the elementary, middle, and one tournament at a high school level, Will Thompson was forced to abandon his baseball dreams due to the field simply getting larger to 60-90, and that was not fair to Will. Uh, so he had to abandon his baseball dreams due to the field becoming ginormous. To be fair, in the defense of Mr. Thompson, given his size and stature, running is not exactly a strong suit. No, it's not. Uh, however... I will say I, w I was pretty skinny back in the day. So, uh, yeah, listen, I. You were still like 6'10. So that's never the, good basketball, for running. Basketball is my, basketball is my sport. Uh, as far as playing. I would I'll, hope. I'll still, I, I, I still take, it's funny. I, I think now, like, even in the summer, uh, Damn it! I'm I'm gonna go slightly off track here. Go when, for I, when it. I was uh, when I was uh, we, we need it for this episode. We do. Uh, we need I it every say, episode, but especially in the off season. Story time. So this summer, when I was interning on when I was interning in the Cape Cod League, I uh, it's not it was not like it was part of my job description, but I just love baseball. I love being out there. So I would literally go shag fly balls. Now these are like Division One, like elite, like potential, like guys who were going to get drafted into professional baseball who were taking BP. And I'm trying to catch those fly balls. And let me just say, one, it is way harder than it looks. Two, uh, but the beginning of the at the beginning of the season, I was absolutely horrible at it. But when when we got to the middle and the end of the season, I gotta say, I got pretty good at it. So I will have so this is what I'll say because I was I was uh, because of my size I was always first base I played catcher some did not and did not go to the outfield did not play third short second not my thing uh, but 
I have to. I am better currently at catching fly balls than I ever was during, during whenever I played baseball, like growing up, and that's it's not even close. Not even close. Better with age, like wine. I age like my baseball career ages like fine wine. Maybe it'll lead to a club baseball career at school. I don't know. See, what really what I'm hearing here is that our good friend Jesse Scaglione should be afraid of you coming and taking his job as a BP catcher. Oh, is he? Is that what? Oh, that's true. Remember, remember the, like now. one or two games in Lexington, he had to fill in. See, I I don't know about I don't know if I could catch a Henry Owens fastball. I, I don't I don't think I could do that. Uh, however, they they need if they need me to catch some catch some fly balls in the outfield. I have to say that is a job I take pride in now. So uh, I think I, it, it is it is it is way harder than it looks. So let me tell you. I think we uh, have a couple of teams. Fly balls. I think we have a couple of teams that be willing to give you a chance at doing this. At least two <laughs> or three that would definitely be down to say, oh, what the hell? We'll let him just shag fly balls for a while. Oh my goodness that that would be that would be something. Because uh, I know the the one thing I told you about off air, which I'm not going to mention entirely. I'm going to allude to it though to build interest and suspense, like a good host would do. And I know that we're going to have more details on that in about a week from now. So okay, yeah. If that if that comes around and works out, it's going to be very cool. But but I know we're getting closer on that. Right. Which we'll, all, we'll build the suspense. Exactly. And all of that is to say, Gastonia has a new director of day-to-day operations, essentially. We don't know much about him. It doesn't seem like the press release has much else to say about him. And we all kind of expected Will's best sport to be uh, basketball. And I think we could all expect his least uh, uh, best sport, I suppose, or his worst sport to be horseback riding. I don't think that would go well. No, I am not... Horseback riding, not my thing. I will say what I could have been worse was wrestling. I wrestled for one year in sixth grade, and I was absolutely terrible. See, that's a a low-key good thing, because I've never met anyone that wrestles that doesn't need a good, like, orthosurgeon. Everyone I know that wrestles, bad knees, bad shoulders, bad elbows, bad everything, pretty much. They all have something wrong with them from wrestling. What What about the type of wrestling where you get like tables smashed on your back? Ah, uh, wrestling. You mean wrestling? Uh, wrestling. Which a surprisingly large amount of people in the independent league baseball community are really into wrestling. I I didn't know that, but there's a lot of them that are into wrestling. Apparently, I did not know that either. Yeah, and I, I've learned a lot from just following people on here about wrestling, which is the one thing I never expected to learn. And this is really going off the rails, but it's the off-season. We're allowed to do this. It's in the description of the show. You know what you got into. You could just kind of scroll through the timeline if you don't like it. And apparently, I didn't realize this, but apparently this AEW wrestling has now kind of challenged the WWE for, like, supremacy. Now, I don't think it's, like, that big of a deal unless you're, like, an actual wrestling fan if you're like a wrestling fan supposedly now there's a split between the two um but to like the common fan they're like nah if it's not the vince mcmahon show it's not really worth watching although if i'm remembering right from this and i can't believe i know this much about wrestling but here we are is 
apparently AEW has been poaching wrestlers or when Vince releases them, AEW picks them up. And there is, like I said, a kind of a quasi uh, civil war between uh, the two factions here. And if the last thing I know about AEW is that it's apparently owned by the Jacksonville Jaguars ownership. So, mm. yeah, it's a whole it's a whole big thing. There's a lot of politics involved in all of this. And I probably butchered it in the the hardcore wrestling fans are definitely uh, going to tell me I'm wrong. Uh, but to be quite honest, I haven't really watched wrestling in quite some time. And the weirdest thing I saw on TV during the pandemic was when I turned on a WWE event and there wasn't a crowd. There was just a bunch of screens with people watching from afar. I was like, holy crap, is this one event that really needs a live crowd? Because this is so not working with just screens. Yeah. I'd have to say the NBA to me, it was like that too. It was just NHL too. Dude, I'm telling you this much. It's so bad without a crowd. Like, the the problem is, and now we've gone into a wrestling tangent here, and I promise we're going to break this off fairly soon, but the problem is, like, the worst thing that ever happened to wrestling was HDTV. Because now, like, the camera moves they used to pull in, like, standard def and worse they can't really pull anymore because you could see exactly what they're trying to hide from it. So you have to either make it borderline unwatchable to hide certain things because, you know, the abuse these guys are taking is real, but it's all staged. So before you knew it, but you could hide it. Now it's a lot harder to hide. And part of the way you hide it is by pumping in crowd noise or having just a really large crowd. When you don't have the crowd, you just have a ring, and then you have a bunch of monitors that are, like, two yards away from the ring. It gets really, really bad because there's no noise. So you can't really hide anything. And sound's one of the dead giveaways for stuff. You know, I mean, like, that's why in movies a lot, like, you record without any sound to it and you just add all the sound effects in afterwards that's why you need like silent glass or silent tires so that way you can add it in later on and make it sound more realistic that sound is really not a good thing for like movies or entertainment and when you have sports entertainment it's kind of the same boat and it's a lot harder to make that shit work when you don't have like the gnat sound of a crowd. That's the one good thing that you could have. And you can't even put in like an artificial crowd sound because you're like, okay, well, this just feels totally off now. Kind of like when the NHL tried that for like all of two playoff rounds and then everyone was like, this is kind of weird. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I just, I, for wrestling to begin with, I don't really get like the, I don't know. I'm not going to say anything as to yeah. anger wrestling fans out there but i just i don't consider myself a fan of it uh that being said uh they really do like the the crowds really do make a huge difference i will say the one where i didn't really notice much of a difference was football like watching on tv yeah yeah that one was pretty good that one was pretty standard but but uh just because of like the camera angles like you don't usually see a whole lot of the crowd like during the actual gameplay yeah 
Honestly, baseball didn't bother me at all either. And I think it's because, and I'm going to try and swing this shit back around to independent league baseball now. I'm used to watching yeah. a lot of independent league games where there's a 200 total crowd attendance. So it's just kind of like, oh, so it's just like an indie ball game. I see. Yeah. It's, uh, I was just like, oh, this is pretty standard here. And so, uh, yeah, that's kind of where they're at. Uh, so right. yeah, I guess that kind of brings us to our, um, our final news of the day and it's going to be funny when this this show again has more off-topic discussion than actual on-topic discussion but uh uh yeah so the last kind of major bit of news and i guess we can mention the one stadium naming right deal because it wouldn't be an off-season show without them uh would be that the american association is going to have carter Woodiel return for all the aapb media uh, he's obviously the main guy on that team. They call him the league insider, but I don't know how much of a league insider you can be when the league is paying you to be a league insider. Uh, yeah. So either way, very good media personality. I enjoyed watching the whip arounds and, you know, the, the daily shows and whatnot. Uh, so he's going to continue doing all the same stuff he did last year. You know, the game recaps Tuesday through, I believe it was Sunday, and then the couple of Facebook Live uh, shows I think they did on Mondays. I want to say Wednesdays and Fridays was when they did those. So uh, those are going to all stay put. Uh, he's going to also be doing the Facebook game of the week. If people aren't familiar with it, uh, last year, what the American Association did was being that their games are now behind a paywall for the streaming. Uh, they now put one game a week. Normally, I believe it's a Thursday game on Facebook. Uh, and they stream it through that way so you can watch at least one game a week for free and he's going to be taking over that there's going to be a lot of interviews the way i read in the press release kind of made it feel almost like a manning cast type thing which i think could be very interesting mm -hmm. and certainly something i'm willing to give a, a shot to uh, but there's also going to be more live content particularly from the all-star game and the league championship final overall think it's a good decision uh, i definitely like carter i think he's a good guy i think he does a, a lot of uh, a lot of good work on that front here and if i'm not mistaken i believe he's also a jersey guy oh is he i want to say he is hold on a minute i will check to make sure of that yeah i mean Car Car carter definitely does a good job though and i i like i like the idea of uh whip around of like the whip arounds and all the extra content uh, that the american association tries to provide i think they do a great job with that even just beyond the normal like social medias uh, that, that the leagues have, uh, that, that the leagues usually try to push. But, you know, Carter does a great job. Uh, it seems like probably a no brainer to bring him back for the 2022 season, uh, to provide more of that content. Uh, the, I, I like, I'm interested to see what they do with that third, with that Thursday game of the week. Um, just cause there is a lot you can, a lot you can do with, with it. Uh, especially, so I'm interested to see what the American Association, what Carter is able to pull off uh, with that with that Thursday game of the week, it, it, as as well as try to grow the game and try, of course, because a big point of those those Facebook games is you're really looking to try and bring fans in that maybe otherwise would not have seen the games. So I I, I think it's definitely a good decision it makes sense uh, he does carter does a great job uh and uh, i'm excited to see him back for back for 2022 and excited to see the 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 oodles of content the american association puts out because they, they do do a lot of it and, and they do a great job with it 
Oh yeah, now their content's very high quality. I definitely enjoy that. And I like their one, it's not a directly a Carter thing, but uh, the Tuesday show they put up, I like that a lot too. I thought that was pretty well done. And upon further review, he is in fact from the Garden State. He is a New Jersey guy. And he's also a Cape Cod Baseball League alumni, Brewster. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, play-by-play and reporting in 2017. And oh. if I'm not mistaken, unless I'm way off, but I don't believe area codes can be reused, there is a 973 area code on his public uh, phone number out there. So same area code as uh, as I am in. So that's pretty yeah, cool. I'd love there. to see that. Which yeah, me, I'd love to see that. Which I'd like to have him on. And my first question yeah. is going to be, how does someone from New Jersey wind up in the Dakotas? Or, it's hard to get a job in sports, man. I I understand that, but like still, like South Dakota? Like, I, I, yeah. I, I, I just, like Sioux Falls uh, and, and like South Dakota? Like, I, I just I'm I'm interested to hear how how one goes from essentially, you know, what would have to be the greater Essex County region to South Dakota. It just seems like a big True. jump here, you know. Like obviously I've sense. heard of this before. Obviously in a calm field, I'm sure you've heard of it too. Well, where it's just like if you want to work in media, you got to be willing to move. It's rule Absolutely. one. Absolutely. You know, you're not going to get like a good assignment off the bat. You're going to have to jump around to you know. Uh, a bunch of small communities that are in what I would describe in most, I believe, East Coast would describe as flyover country. And uh, that's just part of the deal. Yep, absolutely. Uh, but yep. I think that I I love to hear that he's a Jersey guy. I love to hear the Cape Cod connection. Uh, yep. Brewster actually won the championship last year, so that's uh, defending champions. So... Uh, have you tried to pronounce, uh, I believe, the Kettler's uh, home city, but I'm just not going to attempt that because it's going to go poorly. Oh, it's not that hard. It's going to go poorly. I'm not going to try it. Give, give me give me one attempt. One attempt. See, the problem is, like, I can picture the word. I just don't know how to pronounce this. Come on. I know you can do it. <laughs> give me one. Like, one try. And then I'll tell you what, I'll tell you how it's said. Like, like Koiket or something like that? Oh, Jesus, Nick, it's that's bad. not even close. I know, it's bad. I told you it was going to be bad. It's Katuit. Katuit. Yeah. Yeah, the Katuit Cuddleers. All right. What, whatever you say, Cuddle Man. <laughs> Cuddle Ho. All right there, Kettle Corn. Uh, so there really isn't too much else to discuss this week. Uh, Northern Colorado has named their ballpark Ticketing Smarter or Ticket Smarter uh, Field or Stadium. Uh, I didn't even bother writing it down because it seems like a pretty minor thing. We'll mention it just because it's a thing to mention at this point. It'll help us get to 35 minutes. Uh, so, yeah, it's a cool thing. It's a stadium naming right. I think we need to actually discuss this, though. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> Ticket Smarter. Ballpark, park, this, stadium, this, whatever it is. This is what happens when we record on midnight. <laughs> Indie we're ball we're running on fumes here. What's even worse is I didn't sleep last night, so we're really rolling good. <laughs> we're rocking with yeah, two hours of sleep. 
That's what we do, but that's the sacrifice that we provide to bring the fans the content which they want, which is more about me BP shagging than any indie ball and then indie ball news. But you know our slogan. Uh, what is what is the first part, and then it ends with but we sometimes go on tangents. It's it's your Twitter bio. Uh it's. <laughs> I gotta keep following up Twitter. Luckily, I have Twitter. Oh, it's a damn good show. Yeah, it's a damn good show, and occasionally we go on on tangents. Yes, Yes, it's a damn good show, and sometimes we go on tangents. That's what your bio says. Okay, good, 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 good. good. Honestly, I should make that my personal bio too. (laughs) How how can you connect that? I don't know. People that know me know I'm just gonna start talking about random stuff at a certain point. I'm a damn good. I'm a damn good person, but sometimes I go on tangents. Well, now the first part's a lie, so that's just not going to work. You should make that your LinkedIn profile, or your LinkedIn bio. Well, I know what I'm doing after the show. Uh, so, <laughs> with that, before we do any sort of lasting damage, I suppose we should probably wrap this up uh, and get the, get the hell out of Dodge here. So, uh, again, a short week. This is to be expected. You got some very good wrestling content from the number one independent league baseball and wrestling show uh, that's going to be ever out there. So in two weeks from now, we're going to drop most of that wrestling discussion talk. And uh, we'll circle back to talking about actual baseball when we do an Atlantic League preview and then start talking about Atlantic League baseball and then do a Frontier and American Association preview and start talking about three leagues. And then because either we hate ourselves or we love our audience too much, we're going to then do a Pioneer League preview and start talking about the Pioneer League. And one of two things is going to happen. Either it's going to work out fine or it's going to be a spectacular mess. Either way, hopefully it'll be entertaining and we'll be able to keep up with the Twitter bio and I won't have to edit it to. It's normally a damn good show and we go on tangents more often than not. So That's right. So that's where we're at at the moment. If you want to be able to see that Twitter bio, you could go to at Report are at indie ball pod my mistake because twitter has character limits and you can view that for yourself and you can follow the show there and you'll be able to see uh, all the things we retweet in addition to whenever the show comes out you can follow it there if you want to find all the articles and other things we post instagram will be the place to go that is indie bar report uh on instagram and also alpb underscore news as well there so after you do the social media stuff if you want to follow just the podcast itself where there that's available just about everywhere you can find podcasts. You've heard it on just about every episode of this show and just about every episode of every podcast ever put into creation. But you can find the show on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, uh, just about everywhere you can find podcasts. You can find the show, and on about half of them, you're able to rate and review the show. So we'd be we'd appreciate it if you did that. Uh, in addition to that, though, if you want to find everything we just mentioned in one convenient location, you can go ahead and do so on the website, IndieBallReport.com. Everything is there, including our Indie Ball Hall of Fame ballot, which will be closing up after this weekend. So on April the 4th, the voting tab will be shut off. We will see uh, who's in, who's out, and what the situation is. At last count, we had some real borderline people, and I think only one or two people actually hit the uh, percentage threshold we put out there for it. So, uh... It's going to be close to the wire to see who gets in and who doesn't get in. So we'll see where we are at when everything's all said and done. With that said, do we have anything else left to add in this post-midnight edition of the Indie Power Report podcast? 
The only thing, I two quick things to add. One, thank you, St. Peter's, for that awesome, awesome run. Uh, that was incredible. Um, unfortunately, they did not get to the Final Four, which was sad, because uh, the St. Peter's-Duke matchup would have been h- hilarious to watch for me. Uh, but that run was incredible. Uh, go Peacocks forever. And uh, number point number two is we were recording this. Well, now, well, happy April, I guess. Uh, <laughs> as we cross and, over the date line. Yep, as we cross over the midnight threshold, happy April, boys and girls. There's baseball this month. And uh, the Devils now in... See, this this game happened last month. So I, I, I'm going to leave it in last month, but the Devils gave up eight goals tonight. So, uh, yeah, there's that. <laughs> All right, I got two things to add. One... Uh, Duke-UNC, the matchup I didn't want because however sweet winning would be, we're putting way too much on the line by playing them. And so I am terrified to play UNC because a loss would be just like severe depression hitting instantly. But a win would just be like, I don't even know what. It'd be like every upper in the world hitting at once. It would be pure euphoria. So I'm really praying to God we could pull that one out, go to the Final Four. And honestly, I'll, I'll just speak real for a minute. If we can eliminate UNC in the Final Four, man, I don't even give a shit if we win against whoever the hell we wind up playing on the other side. <laughs> Villanova, Kansas, I, I could care less about the Final. This is our national championship right here. And the same thing for UNC. Both fan bases are thinking, if we just win here, like, we don't even care about the next game. It's all about this game right now. So, yeah, uh, I'm, like, terrified for this game. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be a Duke victory and the show will go on again and I can continue to annoy people with my tweets about Duke basketball and watch all the very salty reactions from Duke continuing to march on and watching uh, them play extremely well basketball, but somehow it's the refs that win games for them and not shooting like 70% from the field uh, that does that. So it's kind of funny uh, when Duke shoots 70% from the field, it's because the refs uh, physically took the basket and put it, put the ball in it. So it's just funny how that works out. Second point here, because it has turned into a quasi-wrestling show for you. Top five wrestlers of all time. You got to have the Iron Sheik on there. He's certainly up there. Uh, Jesse the Body Ventura certainly there too. Uh, quality wrestler in, in him there. I'd probably put the Macho Man Randy Savage on there. Andre the Giant's got to be there too because, I mean, he's Andre the Giant. And that last spot is very tough. There's a couple of candidates vying for it, but I'd probably go with The Undertaker uh, because that is just a fantastic character right there. But uh, it's hard not to like... Uh, uh, the nature boy Ric Flair in his limousine riding, jet plane flying, wheeling, dealing attitude. It's hard not to like him. So uh, that's all I got to add. And uh, one, one extra thing. I know Eric Church is a UNC fan, but I absolutely love the dedication to uh, to cancel a con- a concert to watch this Final Four game. I respect it. I really do. I respect it on one level, but man, if I would have bought tickets to that concert, I'd be so pissed. I'd be legit. I respect it. I respect it, but man, I'd be pissed if I had it. Like, I saw one woman was complaining because she planned a whole weekend around this that concert, and now it's canceled. And it's like, on one hand, I'm thinking... 
you shouldn't have planned a whole weekend and a flight and like a four-day weekend around a concert. That was a bad decision. On the flip side of that, I'm like, you know, you should, some people would do that. I mean, like, I can see people taking a vacation for this game, going to New Orleans with like, oh, okay, uh, we're just going for the final four game and we're going to spend some other days around there as well. And then if that game suddenly disappeared, they'd be like, oh, well, I'm kind of annoyed about it. And you'd be even more annoyed if it's like an arbitrary reason like this. The sport family definitely respects the move, but like I definitely see why people are annoyed at Eric Church. I can see it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I respect it. I know. And being that you're a big concert goer yourself, Will, I, I can understand why you. Oh you could yeah. <laughs> Which I still I want to point out here. I still have on my one last thing to add scrap of paper that's by my desk here. Will hates malls. So if we have another dead week next week, I may be digging into that column. I, I would welcome it. Well, the future is coming. And with that said, we have nothing else left to add. Until next time, don't forget to play ball. <laughs>